Welcome back to another episode of Crew 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Ruckman. With me only this week is my co-host, Chris. What's going on, sir? Hey, you know, you know how it be. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we are sponsored by World of Sports and Patreon. That's patreon.com slash crew3mtg. Chuck in a buck to get your name on all of our streams and videos. $5 a month gets you a piece of monthly exclusive content in our back catalog that we've uploaded so far. And $50, $20 international gets you the monthly swag bag mailing, which we didn't know last week. But uh, we have selected Chris to send out this month's mailing. And he's selected the cards already. And uh, yeah, I think he picked a good one. I'm excited uh, people to see these. I'm excited for these. They are ordered. They uh, I got an confirmation today. They are on the way. And uh, excited to um, excited for everybody to take a look at them. I think this is kind of one of my favorites that I've that I have shipped out. And of course, if you check the description below of the podcast, you will find a link to our wonderful sponsorship at Inked Gaming. That code takes you to our page. You can buy one of two playmats and also applies an affiliate code if you want to buy something else on the website. So either way, you help us out by buying something you want for yourself. So anyway, Chris, how you doing, man? Yeah, this has been a this has been a good week. I'm about to step back working. I work like seven days a week now and uh, a bunch of hours. So just in time for one of our later topics, which is organized play coming back. That's right. So there mm-hmm. was uh, some big announcements on uh, last Thursday. We got uh, a couple preview spoilers for Modern Horizons. Doesn't matter for us. Uh, we got some preview spoilers for D&D, and I think there's a card specifically that is going to be for us, and it's good to know these things are coming. And, of course, the big thing was that in the U.S. on May 28th, organized play or at least events will be sanctionable again obviously there's not gps or things like that aren't being scheduled yet but or officially organized play events are sanctionable again there we go so that is going to be a big deal so after we do the metagame breakdown and talk about the couple dnd spoils we get we are going to talk about sort of what decks we're excited to play i mean obviously we've been playing uh, some webcam monthly and stuff like that we're going to talk about you know our thought process, you know, what decks are you most excited to play in paper again? What are you going to start out with? You know, just sort of talk about how we're going to get the community back involved in, in paper play again in our stores, in the safety. Hopefully, you know, you're vaccinated when you go do that. If you're not already, make sure you're eligible and go do that. Highly recommend that. But of course, I got all my 5G chips in me and uh, Microsoft hasn't taken over yet. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm still uh, operating on Windows 97 myself, so mm. I'm not as worried. I am not able to be hacked by the Russians because of my ancient software. Well, I'm so. after the the divorce announcement. I'm now a little more worried. Um, I hope I, I'm hoping Bill keeps me in the divorce. But if I have to go with Melinda, you know what? I think that's fine. I think she's a wonderful person too. Oh, do we have to choose one? I wasn't aware. Yeah, we have to choose. Oh man, and then do we see the other one on the weekends, or how does it work? No, it's totally disowned. Dang, we just pick one and we're done. Wow, yeah. that's rough. But you get to go hang out with uh, Daddy Bezos on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Fair and, enough. D- and I don't know if you know this, but he just got a yacht, or he's about to receive his yacht. Mm-hmm. That includes a smaller yacht. A, a, a little yachty, if you will? A little yachty. A little his, yachty. So you know how most yachts have like a little boat to go back and forth with supplies? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, his yacht is so big, his little support boat is another yacht that is also another has yacht. A, it's that has a helicopter pad on it. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Jones did not want to be out on his yacht. He has two helicopter pads. That way, you know, in case well, one's in use and another helicopter needs to come or go, 
you're never you're never waiting on another helicopter. That would just be inconvenient, you know. Well, Jerry like, Jones is going to need a bigger yacht now. Yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. But you know, he's do he's doing what he can. You know. Yeah. Hey, Dallas Cowboys only make so much money for being a bad team. Hey, they've got spirit, and that's what matters. But anyway, uh, hey Chris, you know what was el- what else was in that announcement? What? Actually, it was the lack of something in that or in that uh, big old announcement, and that's what killed Magic this week. Uh-oh. Because they didn't mention anything about Pioneer on Arena once again. Uh, don't even get me started. I guess we will get started, because that's what killed Magic this week, right? That is what killed Magic this week. Uh, look, we, we, get a, we get an anthology coming out, right? Oh my god, Historic Anthology number five. Mm-hmm. We get to see some cards. Vorinclet's Voice of Hunger. All right, that's neat. Whirler Rogue, uh, uh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, trash for Treasure. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, how about how about Ray of Revelation or Ancient Grudge? Mm, that's not that's not mm. really doing it for me. Mm-mm. Oh, actually, hold on. There is a Pioneer card in this this uh, this historic anthology. Okay. Can I sell you on Ojitai's Command? I mean, you're probably going to sell it to me for what twenty five dollars because that's the cost of an anthology. Yeah, just about. Yeah. I... <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm really, I'm really trying to figure out like what, what's the game here? You know, like I, I get that all that matters is the sweet, sweet cash and like player retention doesn't matter. Cause all that matters is like super, super short-term profits, right? Like long-term profits don't matter. What matters is what does the computer tell you is winning right now, right? Like what's the computer say is going to make me $5 instantly. And that is apparently anthologies and other random stuff. And not, I guess, Pioneer Masters, which is, you know, where the long-term healthier game is going to be. Getting formats on the program you were so highly touted at the beginning of, what, three years ago when it came out or something like that? Yeah, I mean, they've been saying we're getting Pioneer Masters for a year and a half. We were going to get Pioneer on Arena since before COVID. Yeah, I mean, pfft. and again, COVID affects that, right? It, it, it certainly does to some extent, but you're just like, I don't know. There's it's it to me it's not enough of an excuse given how other things have come out, you know? So I mean, at this point at this point is it just that well well uh paper play is coming back, so we don't have to worry about it anymore. Go play Pioneer on paper. Maybe. I mean I, I'm not necessarily against that as much as it's just like they've clearly had to prioritize things in order for them to come out, and that's fine, you do. But the fact that Pioneer Masters is at the bottom obviously does not make a group of Pioneer players very happy. Right. That's obviously incredibly frustrating to us. I think it's not too hard to see where we're coming from. And again, I think I could make some solid arguments about that. You know, having a format like that, especially a new format that is exciting to play. It clearly was engaging with local players um, being a, a a diverse format. You know, getting that on your premier platform for playing Magic probably is a good idea. And again, it's just been pushed back and pushed back and pushed back as they were like, they even told us, right? Hey, we think we've got a better way to make money off you. So that's why we're pushing it back. It's like, okay, but you know, here we are. Like, I wouldn't even care, but the pro- my problem is, right, every six months they remind us it's going to happen. And then I'm sitting here going like, oh, when are we going to get it? When are we going to get it? Right. Oh, we're not going to get it. Yeah. Oh, but wait, 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 wait. Here's the stick with the carrot on it. Guys, yep. it's still going to happen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the carrot. It's happening. Is, When's it going to happen? It's, it's been a little obscene. Not to be too much of a negative Nancy on it. And, you know, again, obviously, as a Pioneer focused podcast, a group of players who were very excited for Pioneer to come out. It's just news that is very disheartening to us in particular, because obviously that's where we focus. So, again, you know, uh, not trying to be necessarily super doom and gloom. It's just 
very frustrating given how great I think the format can be and how badly it's being handled. Well, I mean, that's just the rain in general, right? Yeah, it is. And again, I, I think that's kind of been the case the the whole time. I think there's been so much here. And, uh, you know, you look at how popular modern is now, right? I mean, when modern came out, people were kind of like, oh, okay, but it, and it was cool, right? It was like a new and exciting thing. And I don't think Pioneer's gotten its fair shake, but there was just, you know, we played at that tournament right before COVID, had a lot of players at it. Yep. I mean, it's it's a popular format. It's a nifty format. The It can be somewhat inexpensive to play still. Right. It's a very budget friendly format, or at least it can be to get some of the top decks. So I think it's got so many positives for it. Uh, so many things going for it that you know we don't bring up as much anymore that we were super excited about at the beginning, but are still true. Right. I mean, there's still several decks you can play for 50 to 100 dollars. It's like, where else are you going to get decks that are consistently placing in challenges and whatnot that are that inexpensive in either format? I just it's probably not going to happen. Right. Like, yeah. So. All right. So. So side question here, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of separate from what killed Magic. Do you think Arena has failed as an eSport? Yeah, of course. Okay, I Not to make that too much of a thing, but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, come on, like, the first Mythic Championship had, like, you know, lots of viewers. I mean, twenty to 30,000 viewers, but a lot of them, as people have pointed out, like, people think may have been paid for, you know? Yeah. And since then, it's like, it's just been massively mishandled. And again... COVID goes to a part of that, but corporate greed is just one of those things that it really hurts you. And it's, it's, you know, seen across a lot of industries, but the amount of cutbacks they had to do to, I guess, get to where they wanted to be profitable really hurt a lot of things. And I think long term. Did you know that it was a pro league weekend this week? I have no idea. I can't even tell you who's in the pro league anymore. Uh, no. Yeah, at least uh, at least I'm pretty sure I saw on Twitter it was this weekend. I, I don't actually know, but I'm like, yeah. I think I saw people talking about it being this weekend. I don't know. I mean, again, we've, we've just come so far from the point where me and Ricky in particular, because we went to high school together, went to our local game store to borrow the internet at like 2 o'clock in the morning to watch a pro tour. Right. Mm -hmm. To to sit around a crappy, you know, computer with crappy definition to watch a pro tour top eight live because it was advertised. Right. Like here is pro tour Honolulu. The name of the place was there. Right. And I'm just using Honolulu's example. But there were cool places that, you know, the coverage was great. I, I remember waking up at like like you said two in the morning. Yeah. In like college would just get some buddies together. Hey, let's Mm -hmm. either pull an all nighter or just go to bed for a couple hours. Wake up early and just watch like the european top eights and stuff like that like yeah, yeah. if people i don't even know where it's at on my on my tweets but somewhere in my tweets in the last couple months i was thinking about something for like a, a college assignment and i tweeted brad nelson i was like hey man I'm, I'm trying to quote you on this do you remember what you said and i was like i was trying to get it exactly and i was like here's the situation i remember like what you were talking to whatever but i cannot find the video of you saying this and he was just like bro that was so long ago i don't even remember and I was just like, I remember specific quotes from pros. That's how into the game that I was, right? You know, this is not coming from somebody who just always played casually, uh, EDH main, which those are fine. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there are things I can quote. I remember when when a ally card, a blue ally clone card sold out in the United States of America. TCG player sold out of it. Um, Star City Games sold out of this card because it there was a spike going on in Japan. And there were so few American pros at that point. All the pros were Japanese that 
somebody looked and said, oh, that's going to be the hot card. Look, the Japanese oh, are buying it. And they the bought mythical, it all out. The mythical small Japanese tournaments. Well, yeah, because the Japanese were so innovative, right? Kenji Samura was going right. So, like, these are stories that I remember to, just to tell you about how much about the games that I knew. How investors. Sure. These are stories I remember, you know? And these days, I, you know, I don't even know or care. Some of them have been removed for conduct. We're still there. So, I, again, it's just, it's not been handled. But, again, COVID's been going on. So, I'm going to hope that, you know, towards June here, we can just kind of get a fresh reset, hopefully. In-store play is going to return. We can return to talking about local events, how fun it is for that, and hoping that some kind of of competitive play comes back that that is actually able to be cared about by the masses. Yeah, so obviously Magic coming back in store play for the U.S., at least, you know, officially. I know some LGSs have been running stuff here and there, but obviously sanctioned Magic coming back in the U.S. Right. We get the official nod. That's going to be what's say Magic. But also, I do want to highlight, we talked about it several weeks ago, uh, that specifically Kev Man and a few of the other members of the Discord are working on a wonderful spreadsheet that is pinned in our Discord on the Pioneer channel of just different tiers of budget deck lists for, yes. for, for Pioneer. And I know that they stumbled upon a new category the last week or so, which is the MTGO 7 Ticks budget, because I don't remember which... Uh, rental service it is it might be Traders. it's one of the two main rental services mm-hmm. that have a free account tier that just gives you seven ticks rental and they yep. are compiling i think you're already at like 10 or so lists of just like you can play these really solid deck lists for seven tickets on tgo so you can play for free essentially yeah i tell you what like our discord has been so instrumental and i think keeping us going despite mm-hmm. my you know again massive massive complaints about how it's being handled on a organized play aspect, the Discord has been crucial to keeping us going. And even though I don't comment as much as I used to, I do read a lot of what goes on in there. I just don't always have the time to engage in a, conver- a meaningful conversation about things. But it's been killer. And, and it's really been one of those things where I want to open up the Discord more to more people, but it's also nice that it's kind of at that point where we can still manage it ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would love to go with my access. It, it is open though. Like if it you are in open. it, if you are in it, there's a link below in the yes. description. So feel For free sure. to join, jump in on the conversation, but it's not, it's not like, it's not like a thousand people are in there. Right? No, like, exactly. Right. Like I, we, I have... we're, we're hovering a little over 200 members of the discord. Right. But I would say like 10% of them are like active vocal, like carrying on the conversations, which I think is a good conversion rate for that, right? There's yeah, obviously a well, bunch of lurkers keeping up with everything. That we have the core group who are keeping the combos going and all that kind of stuff. So, and I think people talk about everything because I've noticed some people come for like camaraderie, right? Like, hey, I want to yeah. talk about this, and some people are in the deck list thing, and some people don't want to get deep into like the deck list dive, so they just want to hang out in general. I've seen going across the different channels, there are different things going on. But my mm-hmm. point was. You know, there are there are so many cool people in our discord. Yes. Keeping things going that I kind of want to have people to be exposed to it because like, hey, I'm new to Pioneer. Boom. Look at these amazing people who have put time into looking at, you know, deck lists. And then you've got specialists on that, right? Like if Mm -hmm. for a lot of the deck lists in Pioneer, you've got somebody in our discord who knows them very well, right? Like Mm -hmm. Zeph, I know has, you know, is doing, doing their own thing. But like, if you want to know more about the possibility storm deck, boom, Zeph is in there. Now, I don't know how many write-ups he's done on it. He mostly, I think does uh, like Reddit write-ups, right? Mm -hmm. But the point is they're in our discord. 
you know, and I'm sure they'd love to answer questions if they wanted to. I'm not volunteering, though. I'm just saying, right? You've got Mile Pro who works a lot on Mono Green, right? My point is, you've got different people going different things. Uh, Wonky Wombat who plays a lot of Burn, and I'm sure would love to talk about Burn and Burn Deckless. So I think there are so many tools in in really good players and really cool people that are in our Discord that people have access to that I want to kind of just be like everybody in Pioneer who has an interest jump in here and go, but. Like there's just something to be said about having a smaller community also, you know, mm-hmm. but that, that spreadsheet is so amazing. I hope it's getting out there um, because looking at it, you're like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a little piece of effort and it's well curated. That's what I like about it. Right. It's not just, mm. Oh, look, it's everything. It's, it's a curated list. People who care about the decks have, you know, put effort into them. That's what I like about it. Sure. Alrighty then. Uh, so that's obviously what killed and then subsequently saved magic this week. But go. as always, Pioneer moves on and we have a new weekly metagame to take a look at with our 14-day top 12 breakdown. And at number 12, we have Monogreen Stompy. Number 11, Esper Control Both This is 3.2% of the meta. And of course, these are by play percentage, not results. Mm-hmm. So definitely keep that in mind as we talk about these. Number 10, Lotus Combo at 3.6%. Number 9, Demir Control at 4.3%. Number 8, Rakdos Pyramids at 4.6%. Number 7, Orzov Ors at 5%. Number 6, Lesnia Company at 5.3%. Number 5, Is It Phoenix at 5.7%. Number 4, mm-hmm. Loris Burn also at 5.7%. Number 3, Bant Spirits at 6.7%. Number 2, Junda Food at 7.8%. And number 1, Niv to Light at 12.8%. Four. Some of the big moves we have Jun to Food moving up from number seven to number two this week. Bant Spirits moving from number six to number three. And uh, Slesnia Company up from number 12 to number six. A few other slight alterations there. We had uh, Humans Fall Off. Uh, that's pretty much it, I think, uh, for the most part. How Banty are those Bant Spirits? Because most of the, most of the spirits are... I've been saying are... We are back to playing Coco now. So okay, that gotcha. is that's what I that is how banty we are. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. That answers that question pretty much. Yep. I mean, some of them still, uh, you know, might be the Azorius every now and then, but at least for the last like two weeks or so, it's been a lot more uh, more bant. I would say. No, that's for sure. I mean, Collective Company is definitely a great card. Most of your spirits are, you know, two to three. There's some very powerful ones at three. So. I definitely get it. I just wanted to know because, like I said, I definitely know Traff was playing a lot of blue-white. Um, so just just uh, checking it out. Interesting moves. I mean, Niv to Light is still number one, but very favorable percentages, I want to say. And the fact that the percentages yeah. are moving, I think, again, speaks to that diversity of the format. I think, you know, honestly, like, I think having a number one deck under that, like, 14 15% mark, I think is fine. Yeah. Yeah, um, like obviously, obviously there is going to be a most pot, and again, these aren't by deck performances. You'll see, like how many events does Niftalite actually win? Yeah, not all of them, that's for sure. So I obviously these are by percentage, and I think it's very fair to see just Niftalite as the the format's just five color hyper value greed mm-hmm. pile, right? Be the most played deck. That makes sense, but yeah. obviously there's plenty of ways to find success in all the other events. That's why we cover the top eight and results, not just these sort of meta percentages. And I think if you're going to have a number one deck, you look at sort of what people like Jun ma- or Niv to Light makes sense as, as a favorite deck. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of answers, right? Like you get to cast a big old, a uh, big old six, six flying dragon. I mean, you know, I totally get it, right? Like, again, I think we've had our gripes about the deck in some ways, but the fact that it's not just taking over everything with the, with the Valky combo, I mean, you know, as we'll see here when we talk about this challenge, there's just as many, um, 
nivs as there are phoenixes you know yeah. and it's just like all right you know I, I can deal with that like you said i mean it's just not dominating every top eight with like four or five decks when it's you know so the 15 percent that are playing it always aren't always at the top you know sometimes you're not going to hit your mana right or sometimes you're going to hit that that green white deck that's really just a nightmare matchup for you so and i think it's a pretty healthy format when you have a deck like the Leslie company deck which i in my mind is just there to target niv to light and just kind of hate out incidentally the other deck list right mm-hmm. at like what was it five percent of the meta that's yeah. pretty good yeah i mean archon definitely makes it really hard to get your phoenixes back it's just that uh phoenix i think has more tools to kill archon sure. than does a niv to light directly you know like you've got your vanishing versus sure there's out there but like phoenix doesn't have to struggle too hard to kill an archon but mm-hmm. if they can protect it which probably I'm assuming at the sideboard, there's more ways to do that, then you're you're looking in pretty good shape. So And obviously we're seeing the big tick up from Jund Food up from seven to two. Um, you know, we, we kind of saw this back in the day with the Jun Siddle, Jun Sack deck. This deck would sort of come up and then get hated out because they're just graveyard hate. But I think the food variant here is gonna be harder to hate out. I think you're just gonna have to find decks that just sort of outgrind it and just play more answers to Corvold. Yeah, I like I said, I, I really like the Trail of Crumbs version mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you get that life gain that the Cat and Oven affords you. You get the premium removal spells, which are pretty much all black anyway, right? Or at least you have a suite at black. You know, you could be playing more and the deck isn't because it's focusing on its engine of Cats, Ovens, Mayhem Doubles, Sack Effects, you know, with your Ghost Riders, your your Corvolds, your Gilded Goose that gets you mana and activates your Sack out, Outlets, so... Mm-hmm. You know, you're more of an engine deck. You're doing way less interacting um, or have way less ways to interact than a typical Niv to Light deck does, but you've still got plenty between Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, and then your Mayhem Devils picking things off, obviously, right? Just kind of incidentally, so. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, let's take a look at the one challenge we had this weekend. The other one didn't fire. I think only the, this is the Saturday one, the, the Sunday one didn't fire, and not quite sure why. Obviously, they do have the the higher threshold now, which Pioneer's been able to hit ever since they've done it so this is the first week this is the first challenge we haven't fired in quite some time so i i i'm personally chalking it up to um the the big arena win two thousand dollars thing over the weekend yep Mm -hmm. so not quite sure what the the final registration numbers were but it just didn't fire which again not the end of the world pioneer had like weeks without challenges firing during inverters so mm-hmm. i think we can live with just missing one for sure anyway this top eight we have eighth place is it phoenix seventh place nib to light sixth place is it phoenix fifth place bant spirits fourth place nib to light third place jund sack second place deck we're gonna have to talk a little bit about because it's uh a wombo combo here between emergent ultimatum and lotus field mm-hmm. and then in first place Selesnia Company by Curtis Axel. So yeah, yeah I know, right? That was that was kind of exciting to me. I like the Selesnia Company deck list a lot, and uh, you know what? Hey, like I said before, I'm not a big fan of Kazani Man, but if you're here trying to power out those uh, those great hundreds of cutting out of lands, that's when I like seeing the uh, the the, the Kazani Man. I'm liking the, the deck sort of cutting down on the Luminarch Aspirant counts. I was not a fan of that card, mm-hmm. so uh, I I like this company. I, obviously if you've listened to the show you've watched the streams you've watched the youtube deck techs i love me some company and pioneer right and 
this is like the purest form of the deck list you're going to get. We cut out the blue. We're just playing just these good value mid-range green creatures. We got some great henges. And hey, we got some interaction. The Archons and the Skyclave Apparitions and, and PVDDR himself. So I love the deck. Yeah, I think I think this is one of those decks too where it's like you think about the line where like uh you're playing Great Hinge, but a lot of your creatures' power is three. But you get to collected company and you know, hey, you've got a great hinge in your hand. What you're probably gonna do is if you see it, take that Kazandu Mammoth, hope it lives, the next turn play a land, which now your mammoth is a five five. Oh, all of a sudden that's a five cost reduction on Great Hinge. Now, of course, of course, Love Struck Beast gets you the five cost reduction too, right? But, you know, it's just one other cool thing where, hey, my land drop there, at the very least, it's a cost reduction for the Great Hinge. Now, it's probably not the best thing that I'm calling Kazandu Mammoth just a cost reduction for Great Hinge, right? That's probably not a a uh, glaring admiration for the card or anything like that or a glowing review for the card. But, hey, but it's The there. showcase foil is gorgeous. That's there you all go. I'll exactly say. right. Great Hinge <laughs> is, is an extremely powerful card, so getting to cast that, which we definitely will, right? That's the point. If only Coco. those filthy commander players let it cost less than $50. Oh, my goodness. Yep, 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 yep. But sadly, here we are. Yeah. Hey, uh, second place, here's that original limited deck you wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, let's talk about this. So this is by WK Midori. Uh, I mean, we kind of saw Emerging Ultimate last week, but this, again, is... Is in the Taking Turns deck, which did place here. We'll talk about the Taking Turns deck. Uh, but it's it's Emerging Ultimatum plus Lotus Field here. Not like, again, because I believe the the other Ultimatum deck, the Turns deck, did play Lotus Field. Uh, but this is definitely just, like, more peer-to-form, I feel like, Lotus combo. Mm-hmm. So we still see, like, the peer-to-the-abyss, the... the I, I, it's weird, right? Like, this is just... I, I don't know what to think about this. Obviously, it's doing well, but it, it feels like... Someone just didn't want to commit to the full taking turns plan. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, it's tough for me to say because I'm just kind of like it feels like we want better things. I'm assuming we're, you know, trying to um, hit a battle get a recovery to get our omniscience back. Because I'm assuming we're never going to get to cast omniscience off of our original item. But yeah. still, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, if I get my omniscience, peer into the abyss, and battle get a recovery, you know. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. see. I mean, I guess it shuffles into the library so you don't get it back from the yard, but... And we're still we're still playing Fae Wishes, you know, to go yep. get our Ugins, our approaches, mm-hmm. so... Very true. Very true. So, I'm not sure about the Emergent Domain as much as in this one, but it's a two-of. There could be there could be something that I'm, I'm missing, some cute combo that, that makes this more interesting, but I'm excited to see there is some kind of combo deck out there giving yeah. uh, Niv to Light a little bit of a run for its money. You know, again, I think this well, combo I mean... deck seems a little slow, but... Let's come down to 11th place by mm-hmm. Wambo Combo 2020. Again, here's that Taking Turns deck we talked about last week. So we got the Aurora Grazers, Teferi Hero of Dominaria. Your sort of basic, uh, you know, package here. Shimmer, Sylvan Scrying, uh, Pour Over the Pages. But here we have the 4 Discontinuity, 4 Part of the Water Veil, 4 All Runs Epiphany. Here's the real Taking Turns shell, right? Yeah, this one makes sense to me because, again, it's just a, hey, I cast this spell, I'm probably winning the game, right? Like, mm. I'm probably looping these over and over and over again until I possibly can. Does Emergent Ultimatum exile itself? Okay, it does. But yeah. um, either way, typically it's enough stuff to to get you out of the get you out of the woods. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've got to yeah. survive. And again, this deck is a little bit slow, but I have to imagine, you know, with the ramp available to blue-green, you're getting somewhere here, you know? And then lastly, I wanted to shout out, once again, one of those wonderful Discord users, Wookie Wasab with the top 16 finish. So congrats on that. There we go. 
All yep. right. There are a couple decklists in the league we want to talk about. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to pick one first? Um, you want me? Do you want me to take the? Uh... You pick which, whatever deck you want to talk about. Um. All right. I will take the uh, the other person who went and done did it uh, compared okay. to to last week, and this is a MTGO or Moto, as I sometimes call it. User we've seen before in Fast Fake. Fast Fake hitting the five zero. With what do we call this? Blue, green, flash plus magma opus. Yeah, just like teamer opus. Yeah, we'll call it we'll call it teamer opus. But you know the big the big dog is hunting, right? We let the big dogs out to hunt. Nightpack ambusher is out here, uh, ready to roll, and he's got his BFF, the frilled mystic, out here watching his back, making sure ain't no spells creeping up on him, taking him out in the middle of the night. You know, he's mm. staying woke. So we've got four bone crusher, bone crusher giant, four brazen borrower. Four Frilled Mystic, four Nightpeck Ambusher, four Torrential Gear Hulk, which you know what that means. That means we've got four Magma Opus as an instant. We've also got four Ghost Spiral along with a couple of Ops. And then we've got some Shark Typhoon rounding out our non lands. And the sideboard, pretty standard a bunch of Mystical Disputes, a bunch of other counter spells, and some, uh, a, small, a small sweeper package to stop some of those pesky little dudes. So Flame Sweep because we want to save our guys from anger. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, uh, and you know, it deals, yeah, flying. point is this is kind of, you know, this torrential gear Hulk plus Opus is so free to play, right? As long as you're playing blue, you can play this version. The red that magma Opus requires can be gotten by the treasure token that magma Opus creates. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to play red, which is why we're seeing those those uh, blue black versions out there running about. But this is obviously another very powerful combo. I'm surprised I'm seeing it more than the Valky kind of version. But with ramp, you can kind of get to this faster anyway, right? It just requires one card yeah. plus you know discarding the other one. You don't have to cast two and resolve it and whatnot. So, I mean, also by by the time this episode comes out, um, I was a little delayed in getting it out this last week, but it will be out by the time this episode's up. Uh, as if the podcast is up. So if you haven't seen it, there's a Jeskai Magma Opus deck list up on the YouTube channel for a deck tech. So Ooh, sure that's exciting. Check, check that out. Yeah, check that out. I think the Torrential Gear Hulk Opus combo is just a fun place to start Pioneer. You know what I'm saying? Like So fun. Yeah, it's it doesn't seem like it's super OP. It's going to cause your opponent's headaches. It kind of reminds me of the Flame Wake Phoenix um, Evoke. Well, not Evoke. Uh, emerge was that the, elder, was that the, the elder deep fiend deck? El, the elder deep fiend kind of deck you know what i'm saying it's yeah. like hey this is going to be cheap it's going to do some stuff and i wonder if that's not worth looking at also you know what i'm saying i i really do wonder if that's uh that's something worth looking at in, in these style of decks i want to try it out at the very least so all right what the was the list you wanted i wanted to talk about is another magma opus stretch figure old deck list if you couldn't tell obviously you know coco's always gonna have the number one place in my heart and pioneer but I'm just loving Magma Opus as a card right now. Of course. Um, so this is by AJV20. We have another... They're just calling it Teamer, I guess, just because it has the, the Opus play, but really it's just it's just an it deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have... Essentially, if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Claudio's Anomaly Creativity deck. So this isn't ex- quite that. We're almost there. We have four Terror of the Peaks, one Torrential Gear Hulk, four Chandra Acolyte of Flame, two Multiple Choice, four Op, three Fire Prophecy... Four Forbidden Friendship, one See the Truth, three Anger the Gods, four Indomitable Creativity, four Prismari Command, three Mag or Valakut Awakening, and three Magma Opus. So Opus is our main plan here, but really we're just trying to leverage these Terror of the Peaks, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine because hey, you know what? We get to uh, 
sort of cycle away our treasure tokens from creativity or from Opus and Prismari Command into creativity to hit one of either either essentially Trenchard Gear Hulk or Big Terror of the Peaks. And then we have some other extra token producers here to sort of keep pinging our opponents to death with all of those Terror of the Peak triggers. Yeah, and I can imagine, right? Like, we get multiple Terror of the Peaks going? Oh, boy. Oh I mean, if you, if you have a tear out and cast Opus, Opus is dealing four by itself. You get two four fours. That's another eight damage. You get two four fours? No, you make one four four. Oh, it's one four four. Yeah, you tap okay, two exactly. permanents. What? Yeah, 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 tap two permanents. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. But still, it's a, it's a ton of damage. I mean, uh, yeah, the I think taking advantage of indomitable creativity is a is a pretty cool way to to go about this, right? Like it's just like a mass polymorph, but kind of for cheaper. Uh-huh. So I think this is a lot of fun. This seems like a really really fun way to to do it. And obviously they are playing in a league, trying to have fun and to get a five Oh like that, man, how fun is it to be like, Hey, look, I'm playing polymorph, but, but red. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, also like we're, we're not the transmog deck. Um, right. We're not the and slow obviously, grindy, you know, obviously the Chandra and the, the branches here also give us tokens for the creativity mm-hmm. to flip these spells as well. So they're not just there for terror triggers, but I, you know, what? again, here's the creativity at work, right? Yep, the indomitable creativity. <laughs> the indomitable creativity at work, that's right. Anything else in this league you wanted to point out? Um, I think just in general, uh, I'm just excited looking through this league. Obviously, these leagues are skewed, right? They point out the best decks. They don't point out multiples. When, when they post these lists to the mothership, at least, right? They're pointing out, hey, look, they're they're picking a selection of decks that 5-0'd from an archetype and, and using that as the example. So you don't get to see the full diversity of, of what was played and things like that. But just the amount of decks that do end up in here is pretty cool. There's 24 different decks, and, there, and I mean, there, there are weeks, not even like months ago, that were leagues, the deck lists were like half this count, if not less. Right, because like a, a lot of the degenerate formats, like you've got more options, and when you've got more cards to look at, you know, obviously you can brew more. Um, but despite the fact that how oppressive Throne of Eldraine is, there's a lot of ways you can play those cards. And a lot of those cards, at the very least, are generically good. Yeah. So, you know, you can include a uh, Bone Crusher Giant in a, in a red deck, but the rest of it, you know, play what you want, you know. So there's a lot of tribal decks in here. There's a lot of different ways you can play your deck. So if you like some silly card and you want to put it in there, uh, you know, go for it. Here's here's two Rally of Wings in a, in a Spirits kind of deck, or in a Blue White Spirits kind of deck. That sounds fun. Go for it. A bunch of different ways you can play a collective company, collected company style deck. One of the other decks I thought was fun was just another um, thing in the ice deck that was just a blue black control deck mm-hmm. that obviously plays the heartless act it is to you know activate your thing in the ice instantly. That's another little two card combo, a two card synergy I'll call it. That's really cool. So you just got a lot of those in Pioneer, right? Your thing in the ice, your magma opus, your Valky. There's a lot of little synergies that go in a lot of different kinds of shells that make it so that you can take an idea, but make the rest of the deck with the cards you want to play. And I'm sure over time we've talked about, hey, how do we develop decks, right? How have we had competitive success? And that was this thing. When you start somewhere and you refine it, and as long as you're able to make those good decisions, which typically does come with the, what is it up to now, 5,000 years of experience we have? Yeah, plus another millennia or two. Plus a couple, yeah, plus a couple millennia, uh, you still living in the Shadow Realm. Um, you know, as you get to make those decisions, you'll refine the deck into something you want, right? You'll realize what cards that you are excited about that aren't pulling their weight. But it's just, it is very exciting to me looking at this league. I was, you know, talking, gushing to Ruckman about it beforehand. And uh, he allowed me a, a few minutes to talk about it, just how cool it is to have these little synergies, as many as there are, and be able to build decks around them. Perfect. All righty then. I think it is 
time to talk about those D&D spoilers. Mm-hmm. Because that's right. Even though Strixhaven is not only a, not even a month behind us, we're ramping up for the July release? June release? No way. Okay. Oh, so I, say, I guess it could be two. That's two months, right? Two months from now. Yeah. So I know the. Uh, so also, it's going to be a weird schedule because of COVID and production. They've pushed the release back a week. So it's going to come out two weeks before on Arena. Then the next week it's going to be pre-released, and the week after that it's going to be actual paper release, I think is how it's working. Okay. So that's going to be something weird. We're going to have the cards for two weeks on MitGo before they're officially paper legal, Mm -hmm. or like a week before they hit store shelves anyway. Right. But we did get, uh, what is this, 10 spoilers here, really five because the other four of them are, uh, hey, I hope you didn't buy the secret layer because here's full text, basic lands. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so they show some basics with flavor text, which is kind of cool, right? Absolutely. Make use, make use of the space. It's something that could've, I think they could have done for a while. I'm just saying. Uh, but we did get to see five cards, and so we're going to sort of just talk about these cards real quick. Let's talk with Power Word Kill, our Doomblade variant for the set, and that is a one in the black for instant. To destroy, target non-angel, non-demon, non-devil, non-dragon creature yep what do you think think it's gonna do some work in pioneer um maybe do we not have just actual doom blade we do but it's being sort of preempted by heartless act right now yeah uh, maybe i mean it's another two mana removal spell like obviously there's a lot of you know these cards these these creature types that aren't super relevant but yeah i think you'll surprisingly be like oh wait that's an angel or like that's a demon sure. you know what i'm saying like yeah. there's not a lot of ton of dragons going around but hey it ain't killing no nifmas i'm assuming nifmas it's still a dragon or is it just a god now i don't even know it's an avatar it's an avatar okay well i mean if that's not a if it's not a dragon or something like that then then maybe it's a dragon avatar gotcha is there perhaps a, a better removal spell somewhere in these uh, in the spoiler list uh, yeah, I, uh, why don't you talk about what it is, Chris? Well, let's talk about a portable hole, and, um, let's this talk about... This is the about... one that's... Well, hold on, hold on. Yeah. What? Th- that sounds like... Can... Oh, we want... uh, we it's not check... a pocket. Check... It's not a... Okay, it's not like we, a... we... So, so I can tell the lawyers to go away? Yeah, yeah, it's, this okay, is child-appropriate. Right, right. This is child-appropriate. Right, right, Everybody right, can right. listen to this. The portable hole is a, uh... Approved by the Fox censors. Yeah, approved, uh, yeah, by the, uh, whoever it is, the, the SEC, the FEC, whoever does the, uh... SEC? Yes, that's exactly right, yeah. The, yeah, they won't let me be me, so let me see. Anyway, a Portable Hole is a, uh... What spell is this in Dungeons & Dragons? First of all, Dungeons & Dragons set, man, it, for people who play Dungeons & Dragons every single week, it's fun to see some of these names coming back. Uh, is this a, like a bag of holding type effect i mean they're they're clearly no, in this there, image. Are, there already there already is a bag of holding that bag of holding is a thing already in magic actually it came out in core 20 okay perfect perfect, perfect. i core. think this is just a general just fantasy trope right just the the cartoon portable hole right exactly right yeah like a little wily coyote might train i mean you know this this might be like a, an artifact that i'm just not like this is like a top upper level uh artifact or item that i'm not familiar with power word kill obviously you know we we all know power word kill mm-hmm. we all know the other artifact that got shown off portable yeah. hole uh that could be just one of those powerful items because most, most obviously chris i and even ricky we we dnd every other week or we try to dnd every other week mm-hmm. uh but most of them, i feel like our campaigns usually end around like level what like eight 
Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. So this is like an item that comes up if it is like a a five a five a fifth ed or or older item. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't I don't doubt this is a thing in the game. Somewhere in there, um, yeah. portable hole costs one white mana. So already already you're thinking oh this card's gonna okay. be garbage right yeah, i mean uh-huh, come on uh-huh, yeah uh we're in, this is not shards of alara time again it is obviously an artifact as you said when a portable hole enters the battlefield exile target non-land permanent an opponent controls with mana value two or less until portable hole leaves the battlefield so wait so there's a there's a spell in pioneer right let me know if you've heard this before mm-hmm. it's called fatal push Yes, I've heard of that. Card. And obviously, it may or may not be like the most played black removal spell in the format. Mm-hmm. In now, all formats, maybe right? Maybe I don't know about that. But you don't uh, think for it's sure. it's got to be the best black removal spell that costs one mana? Probably that costs one mana. Yeah. So, someone in modern is going to tell us why we're wrong. I don't think uh, so. I think especially in modern. But anyway, keep going. Anyway. Um, and, you know, that that has uh, revolts, so obviously it can kill something big, but more often than not, you just play it because it can kill a mana dork. Right. Um, and, you know, White already, look, all I'm going to say is White already has a removal spell in Isolate. Right. Um, for, for a single White, and that's an instant. Yeah. Um, that can exile CMC 1, or sorry, mana value 1 or less. Yep. This, this can't be that much better, could it? Uh, I think we both know. That it definitely can. I, I mean, yeah. I, if you couldn't tell, I <laughs> yeah. think this card is insane. And if this right. is another good sign of where white is going, sign me up. Yeah, I love it. I I do wish, because, you know, you know what I'd have been doing with it. I do not like that it says unopponent controls. Man, I would love to just exile my stuff, blink this and some other creatures and just go to town. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. I would love that. I mean, it can't be that broken, right? We just, we blink something with two or less. You know, how OP can it be? But uh, but still, you know, it's it's there. It's a sick removal spell for white. Um, gonna see a ton of play. And again, you know, non-land permanent, not always gonna be relevant, but relevant somewhere, you know? As, as an artifact, obviously it's a little weaker than just a straight removal spell. Mm-hmm, for sure. But not many people can interact with with an artifact at least game one in pioneer yeah for sure i'm a little surprised this isn't an enchantment given white's uh, affinity for enchantments yeah but i feel like with like cards like glass casket lately they've been switching these to more artifacts yeah that's true that's true um and i guess it could make sense right because like the the equipment aspect of D yields to a lot of more artifacts mm. than enchantments you know like enchantments are something sure. definitely different um, whereas this was probably a, a, a magic item, and any magic item is probably going to be viewed as an artifact more than it is an enchantment for this particular set. Right? Sure. That would just make sense to me. Um, we really need Nostra Ricky here to to tell us uh, what else is going to come. Well, hold on now. Uh, I think I'm talking to Nostra Chris because the last card we're going to talk about, of course, we got two more before we get to it, uh, was pointed out that you might have predicted last week. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was thinking it would be different. I was hoping it, I was being ultra greedy. Hope it was going to play, but literal Tiamat has been <laughs> has been spoiled. Uh, do you mean to go over its stats as well? Or yeah, why, why not? Let's just go over Tiamat now. Yeah, so Tiamat costs two colorless and Wooberg, so white, blue, black, uh, red, and green. So it is, a, is it plus two mana? Yeah, exactly right. It is a legendary creature, Dragon God. Uh, it is a 7-7 seven, seven flyer, so suck it, Niv-Mizzet. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, 
Search your library for up to five dragon cards not named Tiamat that each have different names. Reveal them, put them into your hand, and then shuffle. So we are calling upon our dragon allies to to join us. Well, and, uh, it, it, I mean, in typical D&D, these are the dragon enemies, but right. they did pretty heavily tease that we're probably going to get a Bahamut card as well. That'll be fun. Because obviously Tiamat is the dragon goddess of the colored dragons, which mm-hmm. this is when we get to sh- flash from D&D muscle here. Yep. Of course, uh, but very base level D&D muscle. Right. Uh, I, I haven't been playing since like AD&D and stuff like that, like some people out there. <laughs> but obviously Tiamat, goddess of the colored dragons, mm-hmm. is our more evil line. So your, your red, blue, white, black, green dragons as shown on the card art. And then of course Bahamut, the god of dragons, is usually the progenitor of uh metallic dragons yeah, your, metallic your gold your bronze right. all those which are normally good aligned yep mm-hmm. yeah the big ones i think i've seen are like gold and silvery those are like the bronze. most popular ones bronze shows up a bunch too does it i'm yeah. sure there's some some bronze lords out there i was bronze in league of legends for a long time so maybe I'm, maybe i'm actually a good aligned dragon oh, that's where i go. was in a past life you know what i'm saying all that time i spent in bronze uh having my mother attacked by random people on the internet uh, mm-hmm. was actually just practiced to be a uh, dragonborn. So there we oh, go. Oh, very cool. Pays off oh. in the end. Don't don't let anybody tell you different. <laughs> All right. Well, white got portable hole for a one mana cost artifact. We have Vorpal Sword, another mystical the Vorpal magical. Sword? The Vorpal Sword. Be careful. It goes snick or snack. <laughs> that it do. That uh, it do. So for one black mana, you get an artifact equipment. With equipped creature, gets plus two, plus oh, and has death touch. It equips for double black. But that's not all. If you know what the Vorpal Sword does, if you crit with it, they're deader than a doornail, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, for five black, 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 until end of turn, Vorpal Sword gains whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game. Yeah, and I think, I don't know how relevant that's going to be, but you know across Magic, there are a lot of ways to reduce activated ability costs. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, man. There's a lot of tokens out there. There's a lot of flying tokens. I mean... I mean, hey, on the Discord, we might have been talking about one-mana blue spells that would just give you unblockable. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- fun things we talk about on the Discord, uh, as we were pitching earlier. Uh, obviously, Vorpal Sword, I don't know what it's going to do to Pioneer, but it's definitely a flavor win. And you know if someone does win it with it, you're never your LGS will never hear the end of it. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, yep, yep. that's going to be the coolest thing anybody's done. Um, I think the Vorpal Sword art is really, really good. But for an artifact that is as legendary as the Vorpal Sword is, right? Like, you don't have to play D&D to know what a Vorpal Sword is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I wish the sword was more the focus of the art and sure. it was more like some legendary thing it's cool that it's being equipped and it's cutting off a gorgon's head well like i mean yeah that shows right like the vorpal sword like beheads anything with a crit right so that's true and that's and, true. and the art of the sword does match what the books have which is another good thing they're playing Absolutely. a lot of the dnd they're playing a lot of the dnd artists to do the card arts for these it, it's so, a good art it's, a good it's art. like you're like you're saying right the vorpal sword has like this legendary atmosphere to it but they're not like a one in a world type of weapon, right? Like 
there are true. more. Otherwise, yeah. it would be otherwise it would be legendary. You know what I'm saying? Correct. But yeah. I guess my point is for no, as, I totally get what you're saying as well. Yeah, yeah. This look at it. This is like my the books were better than the movies argument, right? Like, sure. That's what I'm talking about. Like this is my this is my snobby. Oh, I want the. I wish the sword was more the focus of the art on like some kind of pedestal showing how cool it is. Just the thing. But you are right. It's not like a legendary thing. It's not like for the critical people out there, the vestiges of divergence, where it's like some legendary one of artifact or whatever else you have out there in uh, in the the D and D world. So, mm-hmm. and then lastly. Oh no, it's another innkeeper. But don't worry, I don't think this one will break the game. Right, I mean, he's prosperous. He's very prosperous. So one and agreed, we have a 1-1 halfling citizen. When prosperous innkeeper enters the battlefield, critical treasure token, and then he soul sisters. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. Yep, yep, it's a uh, another soul warden. And, you know, I don't know that there has been one in green in a while. I know there have been similar similar type things, but... I definitely think this there's some potential here. I don't know how much it could do absolutely nothing, but I know these kinds of effects can be very, very good. And especially given that, you know, green and white like to pair together. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely see this doing something, you know? Yeah. If you, if you wanted it, it's out there. And again, it could be interesting and standard depending on when is, is this the set that pushes thrown out or is that not till next year? Uh, no, there's one more set after that. That'll push thrown out. Okay. Uh, in in a strud one will push thrown out. That's what it is, and I know we talked about this a while ago when we were talking about the schedules. So I, I should have that because also in a strud one is so weird. Because in a strud so weird because I thought they were just going to be like one set, sort of split the cards, sort of like how Pokemon does in Japan, right? Where it's right. like there's a bunch of crossover cards, but then it's like, oh, but if you buy this box, it's where all the vampires are. This box is all the werewolves. Sure. But now they're just like, well, no, this isn't going to change the standard legal set. So it's like a set, or it's like late September early October and like a mid November release, mm-hmm. but they're not impacting the overall number of sets. So I don't think there's going to be a January release. We don't really know the full schedule yet after this year. So we'll see, but Innistrad being two sets and the way they're releasing them is going to be really weird. We're yeah. going to have a lot of spoilers in a short amount of time. Yeah. We, we have not seen that in a while, but I'm excited to get back to it. So we'll see. Also D and D is only going to have a week of spoilers. So oh, interesting. get, get ready for that. Because Strap your seatbelts in. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of podcasting. <laughs> but anyway, mm-hmm. um, that's it for D&D for now. But uh, as we talked about, let's take a couple minutes here. I think without Ricky, we're going to skip Dozen Slap this week. So let's take uh, 10 minutes or so to talk about, you know, what what's your plan for when your LGS starts hosting Pioneer events again? Yeah, I think um, I have ordered um, some Torrential Gear Hulks. I had some before because I was actually the last standard deck I played was Mono Blue. Mm-hmm. So I had some Torrential Gear Hulks, but uh, I think I must have gotten rid of them towards rotation when they spectrum like that. So I ordered some more again because I am going back. I, uh, you know, as we've talked about, I think we're pretty much all vaccinated at this point. Um, so yeah, excited to go back. The stores are talking about being, you know, well, allowing a slow reopen. It's not just going to be, you know, everybody gets naked and parties or something like that, right? Uh, there's going to be safety requirements in place, either proof of vaccination thank, or... Thank thank God Theros came out for the PAX orgy before uh, COVID fully shut everything down. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to go back and, and I hope there's other players going back there with me. You know, I know there are some players who are not as not as concerned about the the public safety aspect of it and just wanted to play the whole time. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to criticize that, but... Uh, definitely it seems like there there is a path to going back and playing safely now and a path to supporting 
the, you know, here, the LGS that I certainly love and one of the favorite stores I've, I've ever played in. And so, yeah, I'm excited to go back and play. I'm probably going to bring multiple decks so that if people want to play and don't have one, they can jam one of mine. And yeah, I'm not going to go too crazy. You know, there are some things that I know because we've been inside for a year, uh, you know, we're wanting to go back out and hit it harder than we ever could have hit it hard before, but I am going to take it more reasonable. You know what I'm saying? But I hope there is a, a solid turnout that is both safe, but exciting for the stores, right? That's mm-hmm. going to make it worth it, uh, but also manageable. And let us play safely and have a lot of fun. The D&D pre-release is going to be insane, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if it gets to the point where there are too many people that I don't feel comfortable with, I'm may or not attendant person. Yeah. But, you know, again, I I am immunized. But again, you know, the, all this stuff is new, right? We don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We don't know what else is going on. And, and in general, right, there's other sicknesses going around and... I've got a lot of family members that are very high risk to a lot of kinds of things. So I have to be a little more careful in general uh, when I go visit them. They don't live in my house, but, but yeah, but overall I am super excited and overall very, very positive. You know, I, I want to be careful with it, but I'm going to build some new decks. I'm going to play some different stuff. I know you were kind of wanting to talk about like how competitive are you going to play? I'm going to keep it medium, you know? Yeah. I think it's pretty fair. I usually, I, I feel like I end up playing the same decks that I would play in like a competitive event, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm more willing to like try more out there builds of the decks, right? Like try, you know, like if I'm playing spirits, right, I'll just jam more of the cards I wouldn't normally play just to get more testing out of them type of deal. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are you a fear at all about like having lost your mojo for in-person play? Like, obviously we've been doing the the sealed leagues, right? Through webcam yeah. to kind of get some practice and play. But do you have any concerns about like, oh man, I'm going to have to take some time to get used to in-person play again to be at the skill level that, you know, that we were at previously? I mean... <sighs> Definitely our monthly webcams have been helping. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is my monthly webcams, I've been playing different decks more often. Yeah. Not like you, or like I'll, I'll play the same deck, but I'll do like a month in between them type of deal. No, for sure. I, I want to make it clear real quick. The monthly webcams, like when we plan them, we are typically bringing fun decks. Uh, yeah. It is different than if we are playing at an event, right? Like sure. we want you to have fun. Like I enjoy losing when I play members of our discord. I think it's fun. Like when I go to practice, I'm talking to people. I do not care about losing in general. I don't care about losing, but it's definitely different than if we were at the, you know, at an event playing for playing a competitive event, you know, honestly, I think Whole I'm going to be more, I think I'm going to be more, I'm definitely going to work on my anxiety levels again. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just like a in general thing. Right. Um, no, I hear you. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm more excited to play in paper because there, I feel like even though I've been streaming Mitgo, you know, multiple times a week for the past, what, year now plus, Mm -hmm. I still forget things half the time. Like I still like click through combat on accident and stuff like that, but that's also because I'm paying attention to the chat. You're talking to people. I I mean, like, I think I'm going to take a while to get back just like how comfortable i was with playing my decks again Mm -hmm. not really the like physical aspects of playing the game but like just the no fear shakespeare aspect of just playing band company right like i it's 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 just gonna it's hard to put to words what i'm like trying to what i'm like what's running through my mind like it's a weird thing where i'm like like i feel comfortable in going back to play again i you know gonna have to relearn to keep the anxiety in check type of deal 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just is, have mixed feelings. This is a hard topic to discuss because there's so many layers here, right? There's like, there's the safety aspect to it because we're coming out of a literal pandemic. But, you know, there was talk six months ago where it's like, we're never going to go back again. And obviously we're seeing in the news right now, not to bring this, you know, I know magic, but like there are countries who are being hit real hard by it right now. Right. Yeah. So like we're kind of in this privileged place where we're getting to go back and play when we were one of the worst in the world a few mm-hmm. months ago when it comes to it, but we were so lucky to be in the country that, that we're in that vaccines are being handed out like hotcakes essentially. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, them. great, we get to go back and play. So it's a little bit of nervousness and a little bit of, I think uh, maybe a little bit of guilt for some people. I think that would just be a totally fine reaction to have. I know a lot of games are just like, well, you know, we're here to game. They may not feel that, but if you're an especially empathetic person, you might, right? Like you might feel a little bit guilty going back into play and a little bit anxious. And I think those are totally fine emotions to have. Um, so I can see what you're talking about. Where like, it's hard to talk about one aspect because it's so complicated. So like zeroing in on one particular aspect is kind of tough, but you know, I'm with you. I think I'm going to have to get over, you know, get over a little bit of anxiety of of playing in paper. It, it reminds me of kind of when I first went to those competitive events. You know, I would get nervous. You know, yeah. And and it wasn't until I was, you know, hitting up three events in a weekend, right? I mean, you know, one to one to one, uh, you know, two events one weekend and then one the next. I suppose is really what it was. And it's like, hey, cashing all of them. You know, when I'm sitting there doing that, I'm feeling great, right? And I'm pay- I'm mm-hmm. tuned into my lines. I know what I'm doing. So that you know. There's no moto reminding you those triggers. And also, I think it's hard. You, you can't click through your steps IRL, but there are more things you have to remember. So I think another thing, too, is especially with like an anxiety aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, to me, it's a lot easier to come up with the tactics to calm myself down mm-hmm. in a place I am already unfamiliar with. Okay. Like, I feel like it, it, this is weird. This is just me. I feel more anxiety playing online events than I do paper. Okay. That's interesting. I think because I'm already comfortable. Like when I'm playing online events, mm-hmm. I'm you're already in your own house. So you're already thinking you should be more comfortable in them. Sure. And when the anxiety hits, you're, I think it panics me more to be like, why am I like, this is my own apartment. Why am I freaking out? Like, no, and to me, I, I find my own ploys to center myself don't work as well when I'm like not in my already own safe environment. Yep. I could see it. I could see like, Hey, you're leaving your house. You're going to some other place. You're already having more things going through your mind, right? Cause you're already outside of your comfort zone. So, mm-hmm. Hey, another tournament, you know, it's like, whatever, right? Like you came outside to do this. So to some extent I could see that I'd like to hear the discord's opinion on that kind of thing. Like, what are you excited about? What are you thinking about? Do you feel like your level of play is going to be the same? How long does it take you to get back? I, I kind of know. I kind of want to know. Like, I feel like I will have a little bit of an advantage having played the game so long. There's been a lot of times where I've taken long breaks and come back. And I think that's where having a very strong base in limited, like you hear how much we talk about limited on our constructed pioneer podcast, but limited basics really give you a strong foundation for coming back, right? Because you're used to of different things every couple months, right? You're learning the format. So learning the the essence of the cards, right? Removals, bombs, combos, things like that. Having those ideas go through your mind, I do feel like I'll have an advantage going back over over a lot of people. But that's kind of true versus the general populace anyway, right? Like, you know, I'm, I'm not really that afraid the first couple rounds of a large tournament. I could certainly lose, you know, right? Luck happens. You know, I'm not the best player in the world. Um, I'm certainly fallible, but... Yeah, I feel more comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know versus the general populace, I've got a ton of experience playing this game, and there's a lot of new players all the time. So 
I do feel like I'll definitely have an edge, but I definitely feel like it's going to, I know I'm going to forget something and be super embarrassed, right? Where it's just like, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I forgot yeah. that happens. Or like, oh look, you've got a flyer. You know what I'm saying? Wait, that has reach one of those moments. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, Chris said, let us weigh in. Let us know your plan for for when paper returns. You know, what are you going to play? You're going you're gonna to go hard. You're going to sort of meter your deck's competitiveness as you get into the format, you know. Is your store just opening up with just a single format? Are you know right? How many um, players are they allowing? You know, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. It's, that's just things we don't know. Like we know the end of the month it opens, but we we just don't know. Like I know one of the stores so far near me there of of which there are like eight I could drive to in like thirty mm-hmm. minutes to an hour. Right? Um, I know one of them is only right now on their schedule is just modern on Saturday. Like that's mm-hmm. all they're doing right now. Um, so it's going to be just finding places and stores as they slowly open up, um, just getting players in and sitting down for events. You know, um, I do think having an extra deck, even if it's a cheap one is a good way to get people playing games again. Of course, you have to think about is this, are you comfortable with lending a deck out right now? Yeah, (laughs) no, I could see it. Yeah. I could see that too, for a lot of reasons. Right. But like, you know, some, somebody addressed it, you know, and I just think that again, there's just so much been a varied, um, response to the pandemic that it, it can make it tough right so like that's where i want to kind of want to know is like are you going super competitive because you know you want to feel that that win again or are you going to make more friends to hang out you know what i'm saying like i wonder what what people are going to be looking i for. i definitely think at least for the first month right or at least my first few events because mm-hmm. i'm going to try to find one like every weekend but i'm going to be optimistic if i even get to play in like one local like every other week type of deal just because everything not even just the content creates just everything else i have going on mm-hmm. so if i can play one paper event every other week i'm gonna call that a success honestly um it, it, it'll just have to see what happens right mm-hmm. um i'm just gonna take it easy just get back into the flow of things and then slowly start working my myself back up but also you know i i be i think this is another good time to just like when the floor is rolling out keep things casual keep things fun get people involved in the format again I agree. I agree. So, all right, Chris, anything else you want to add on to this? Nope. Nothing in, uh, nothing in particular. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to episode of Crew 3 Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Ruckman. With me, of course, was my co-host, Chris. Chris, where can they find you on the social medias? You can find me at it's underscore Christmas and Christmas has no T. And you can, of course, find me at Crew 3 Podcast right on our main podcast Twitter page and also just Put out some random personal stuff, just whatever I feel like's going on at the moment. You can find us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash crew3mtg, where I stream currently three nights a week. We might uh, switch up the schedule a bit once paper events return. I don't know. Uh, but currently we stream Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Fridays at 7.30. And then I try to upload those VODs onto YouTube within about a day or so. YouTube, we are also crew3mtg. And as again, uh, starting this week, it was just last week, we're going to get back to that weekly deck tech schedule, which is a lot of fun to do. I'm excited to start doing those again. And I just, having not done them for like a month, it was nice taking the month off of doing them. But like, it was really relaxing just to sit there and just make the visuals again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I like making them a lot. Even though I put in like four hours of work for a five-minute video, I still find a lot of fun to do. <laughs> there we go. All right. And again, thank you to all those Patreon supporters and those who use our affiliate code or use or buy one of those planets. They do, of course, help the show keep running. And thanks again for tuning in. Let us know what you're going to do for Pioneer as the organized play returns. Oh, Chris, you almost forgot. Was there a, was there a challenge you wanted to issue? 
Yes, I've issued a challenge since uh, Ricky's not here, which means this is now a safe space for Rhinos again. Uh, I wanted everybody to make for next week's Does It Slap a body of research deck. We didn't get a chance to talk about it during the podcast, but I think two-card combos have a, a serious uh, opening space in Pioneer right now between the aggro decks and the super greedy value decks. And since Ricky wasn't here, uh, I wanted to talk a little more about the deck. Just didn't have time. But uh, yes, now that he's not here, we'll, we'll present this challenge. And then when he comes back, hopefully he'll be surprised by the uh, body of research does it slap challenge. Because let's be honest, Ricky's not going to listen to this episode back. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> if he was on it, he might. But without him, you know, he's... That's true. He's not doing important things this week, though. So yeah. we get it. Well, that's we fine. It. We love him anyway. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.